All right, this week we're going to start with a poetry reading from the boss. Sure, I got more fans than the average man, but not enough loot to last me to the end of the week. I live by the beat, like you live check to check. If you don't move your feet, then I don't eat. So we like neck to neck. Yes, we don't come a long way, like them slim ass cigarettes from Virginia. This ain't gonna stop, so we just gonna continue. <laughs> Outcast, a vision from the past. Uh, two kids that went to southern schools listening to rap music, man, I'll tell you what. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now, in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. This is the Lifestyle Business Podcast. That was the boss. Thank you, sir. Happy Thursday, everybody. Today, I am joined by the boss, my captain, my co-host, a man who recently pitched me on the idea of a barbershop bar room called Buzzcut. <laughs> All right. Hey, News iTunes, we have deployed $10,000 on Kiva.org. Check it out. Team slash Lifestyle Entrepreneurs will have a link see at the blog that is impressive. Thank you for gathering around um, our initiative to put out microloans to developing world entrepreneurs. And we have redeployed all of our money. We've gotten 100% payback rates. It's a really cool program. So Kiva.org, check it out. A lot of other listeners to the podcast are participating. Ian, we got two new five-star iTunes reviews. Gabe Lee says, five stars this is my favorite podcast. It has quite literally changed the course of my life. Thanks, Gabe. And uh, Real World Myth says amazing, five stars. I think the new American dream is to live the mobile lifestyle. And to that end, this is the best podcast that exists. Wow, amazing. Hey, speaking of something um, Gabe said about changing his life, Ian, I used to feel a little bit awkward about that. And I just feel like that's lame and it's time, you know, as we sort of up our game and as we all as a community try to start to up our game, that's just a lame Mindset, you got to start taking responsibility for what you say and, and backing it up. And I feel like I'm willing to do that with what we talk about here on the show, Ian. And uh, some people are just fundamentally uncomfortable with this kind of stuff, you know, being a leader. And just because you're shy or an introvert doesn't mean that you can't lead. Fundamentally, entrepreneurs are, are leaders. Yeah, and I think it's very similar to what we do in the product business, right? We have to be accountable and responsible for the products that we sell. Um, and the same thing with what we say on the podcast. That's it. And that's why we love your critical feedback and we do engage with it on the blogs. Speaking of accountable, we got a couple questions this week. Caller Chris has a web app and here's what he's got to say. Hey guys, Chris here. I have a site. Uh, it's a web application and revenue is generated from uh, memberships that we sell to users. And we're kicking around the idea of adding a feature to our service just wondering if you guys have ever seen a situation where basically adding a feature uh, has boosted conversion uh, for a company and actually increased retention of membership. Thanks for everything you do. Keep up the good work. Hey, Chris, thanks for calling. And I'd love to hear about uh, more about your product. But we got a couple thoughts about retention. First off, I think there's a lot of work to be done that doesn't have to do with the software. I think one of the biggest opportunities I see with uh, SaaS developers is that they're not managing their customers' expectations that well. Uh, and so there's a couple ways you can do that. One is by clearly communicating on a monthly basis 
what's happening with the app and how your users can use it better. Brennan Tully one time came on the Lifestyle Business Podcast and mentioned how when he started uh, touching base with his customers on a monthly basis, basically educating them on what he's been doing for them and educating them on the value that he's providing, his retention rates shot through the roof. And I think if you can do that with your users, they're going to stick around for a lot longer. I remember that when uh, Brendan Teller was telling us, and it seems like a really simple thing. He would just uh, call his clients up, I think, if I remember properly, and just ask how everything was going. And uh, this is actually something we do on the product business too, is uh, we call people and we thank them for their business and that's it. We don't try and pitch them on anything. Um, we just simply ask how it's going. And I think that's a really great uh, tactic to take with people, uh, to be genuinely interested in what your customers are up to. Because uh, you'll generally get a lot of good information from opening up that communication channel. Another thing you could think about is doing quarterly training webinars. If you educate your users on how to use your product better, they're going to get more value out of it. And you could use those training webinars as marketing content on your blog as well. Another thought we had um, that might make sense for you, Chris, is to think about ways in which you can lower friction. One of the ways we lower friction with our retention clients is if the pricing's right, we charge them quarterly rather than monthly. I don't really like to be reminded that I'm being charged every um, month. And another thing when it comes to friction, and I think this is a big mistake a lot of uh, SaaS apps make, is they give their users work to do. That's the last thing I want from a consultant, from a client. You know, a lot of uh, the classic thing, Ian, is like the bad consultant is always like, well, my client won't follow up on anything I say that, to them to do and all this kind of stuff. It's like, man, like you just don't get it yet, do you? Like the whole reason they hired you is so that they don't have to work and they don't want to think about this stuff. They want you to do it. A great example of this, Chris, is Rob Walling's Hittail. One of the problems with Hittail, and I know this because I love startups for the rest of us, is that it used to... Uh, Basically, Ian would spit out all these article recommendations and be like, go write these articles and good stuff will happen in your business. Well, hey, I don't want to go more work. I don't. The last thing I need you, I'm already paying you. Please don't give me more work to do. So Rob offered an option. Just click that button and then you can buy the articles directly from Rob. So boom, uh, I explained to you why it's valuable. I did the work in front of you. I showed you what you need and then I put a buy now button on it. And and there's one other thing I want to I want to. I want to put on the table here, Ian. A lot of people talk about just retention. Let's say you want to double your business. Um, I think retention is not as good of a strategy as what I would call building the wedding cake. Okay. So, and this is something that uh, James Shramko has helped me to think about just a little bit. Which before is you, you before you start in on this, I just want to let you know that like these days, it's much cooler to have cupcakes at your wedding than it is a wedding cake. So <laughs> you might want to change this in the future because the stay up yeah. kind of stuff. We want, we want to hipsterize the analogies here. Um, so if you want to double your business, let's say your average user is sticking around your churn rates every six months. Well, in order to double that, sort of theoretically, you would need to double the value proposition that your app provides to your users. Well, there's a quicker way to, to double your income, which is to build the next layer of value on top of your bed of buyers. So that first layer of the, the wedding cake, Ian, is that the biggest, widest layer. And all you need to do really do is figure out one way in which you could provide 10x value to 10% of those users and you double your business overnight. Yeah, so this is just like a more advanced way to sell more to your existing customer base. And that's what Chris is looking to do. Good luck, Chris. Let us know how it goes, man. And thanks for calling. Ian, we got a call from Dan at positiveatmosphere.com. 
Hey, Dan and Ian, it's Dan O'Donnell up in Bellingham, Washington. I run PositiveAtmosphere.com, and I just wanted to say thank you for you guys and giving back to all of us out here. I've been following you for about six months now. Uh, I've been running my website for about four years, and it just here this month has gotten to the point where I could feasibly live off it in a place like Thailand or the Philippines. I think for those of us that are starting a business where we're just trying to get out of the rat race, um, you offer much more applicable practical advice for our day-to-day -day business. I think you guys fill a niche that uh, was not met as well and I really appreciate that. Well congrats Dan it seems like you got a pretty cool install of the Ning software on your site there and uh yeah, man. Thanks for listening and supporting the show. And uh, maybe if you do head out to Thailand, Bali, Indonesia, give us a ring see, man. That's where we're, ro we're rolling nowadays. All right, Ian, you ready to do some meat and potatoes? Today we're going to talk about manipulating the success script. So this is a, a really meta look at the science behind success. And it was inspired uh, by this great video um, that I watched from Cal Newport, and we're going to post it on the blog, that he gave at World Domination Summit. And basically, Cal's been on the war path for a couple years now against the whole passion movement. And I'm a really big fan of that because I don't think passion is good advice. Follow your passion. That's not good advice. That doesn't help people. It doesn't decode the mystery of success. And so what he did is he went out there and he started to study this stuff and figure out what the keys to success were. So, uh, first off, let's talk about a couple of maxims that Cal brings up in his video. And you all should watch this, but I'm just going to pull them out for you. Number one, you're trying to figure out how the trajectory of your life is going to go in the abstract before you get out there and do it is the tragic mistake that most people make. I think this is a typical uh, thing that happens to people when they start businesses. Actually, I have a, a friend and she was telling me, hey, Ian, um, you know, I want to quit my job and I want to start an online boutique because that's my, my dream since I was 15 years old and that's something that I want to pursue. And, um, uh, you know, the problem is that she's had this idea for so long and she's like kind of tongued at it for so long that anything that she's going to do in that business is going gonna, is gonna to change the instant she opens the door, right? From any like perceived... Um, notions of what might happen, it's going to change instantly. Yeah. So we, we were talking about this a little bit with some of our tropical MBA students and they had wheels to the road and we call that wheels to the road. That's like high quality work and relationships in place in certain areas of their life. But when they came to the tropical MBA, they saw that as an opportunity to kind of dream up these new scenarios. They're like, wouldn't it be cool if I sold uh, pearl necklaces that were, you know, gotten from Fiji and put on this like a website that then if you bought one, like all these poor people would get this amount of stuff and then your consumer, you know what I mean? Like this kind of stuff. And it's like, that's so far from what you do every day. That's so far from the relationships, all the rubber to the road that you have in your life. None of that matches up. And that's a tragic mistake. The idea is that you don't want to do this on the abstract. You want to have this be a natural consequence of the kinds of relationships that you already have going on in your life. So uh, the other thing that, that Cal speaks about is what you do is much less important to your overall happiness than what we think. So the idea here is, Ian, is it's not really about selling purses. It's about the value that selling purses lets you to participate in. You turned me on, I know we're talking a lot about videos, but you just turned me on to that Alan Watts video. Um, it's called, uh, What If Money Was No Object? And it was just like a short three minute video that I think is worth a watch too on this point. Absolutely, and we'll link over to that. Um, so here's the thing. 
um, if it is the case that you're not really looking for um, to find identify your true passion, whether that's purses or helping people with X problems or whatever, but what you're really looking for is a, a, a set of quality relationships and work that allows you to explore the kind of value in your life that you love, whether that's for me, that's like creativity and autonomy and purpose, the bar becomes much lower for the types of things that you can engage in. And the threshold becomes, this is your two-step rubric. Number one, are you interested in it? And number two, does it give you interesting options? And I love this because you can stop doing all the mushing around like, you know, is this really the right move? Is this really the right market? Is this really the right time? And you can just ask yourself these two questions. Am I interested in it? And does it give me interesting options? I think I'd like to add one more point to this that we didn't talk about uh, before starting this. And uh, that's something that we talk about a lot, which is, can you see yourself doing this in five years? Um, because as we know, it takes a long time to become an expert um, and to become a master at these things and to become really good at these things. And I think it takes... Uh, you know, a thousand hours or so. All right, let's talk about the science behind it. Ian. Let's talk about the success pattern. And this is what uh, Cal said he was seeing out there. And this rang so true for me. So the success pattern is focus on and build a skill set that is rare and valuable. And again, the skill set doesn't need to be the one and true only skill set calling of your whole life. It just needs to be interesting and provide you with interesting options. And like you added, be something that you're willing to stick with for a while because that's what it's going to take. Yeah. And if we're lucky, we'll all be, you know, 70, 80 years old. Uh, let's say it takes five to 10 years to become an expert on something. You start when you're 20 years old. Maybe you can turn that around, what, five, six times? You can do six different things in your life, completely different, and become a master at each one of them. The idea here is, okay, so you pick your skill set, Ian. It's rare and valuable. Entrepreneurship would, would, would fly. Copywriting, you name it. A lot of stuff in our... You know, Travis did it with SEO and ranking sites and visibility. Um, you build up relationships and assets around that rare and valuable skill set. That's the second step. And then here's the fun part. This is what I really like and I want to talk about a little bit is you cash that asset check in return for autonomy. So you take a step backward in order to take a step forward. And this is the hardest part. And that's what, when you look at true success cases, there's almost always a story of sacrifice involved. Something that they gave up in order to get something else. We're gonna talk about, I think the biggest problem people have with giving up stuff, Ian, is the risks. And so we're gonna talk about the two main pitfalls that people encounter when this happens, okay? So the number one pitfall is that you try to make that sacrifice or that jump before you've learned something valuable enough in return or build up enough mastery or build up enough relationships around the thing that you know the best. So basically, you quit before you're excellent. You quit when you're still an amateur. So what are the solutions? This is something that I've been in danger of before, you know, is, uh, is, is really quitting before you have the machine in place uh, to start stamping out parts, right? So it's like you're, you're on this journey, um, you've committed, uh, you've started building relationships. You've come up with a skill set that's valuable, but you haven't really uh, started to make a machine that can work. Um, you, you've got kind of all the pieces in place, but not totally. And then you jump off the edge. One of the solutions to this is mentors, by the way. And at the beginning of your success loop, the way that you relate to mentors is that you work your ass off for them and, and you create huge results for them. Sometimes I think 
there's a huge opportunity missed by people who are so sold on the idea of entrepreneurship and owning their own stuff that um, they jump off too soon and then they end up doing all their learning in first gear. So you, you know um, the uh, Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, Ian? It's, it's famous because they build it in a town that's at high altitude. And the idea is, is that, well, if you're going to run around or ride a bike, you might as well do it at high altitude because there's less oxygen up there. So you'll get used to training in tougher circumstances. And that's what the opportunity that working for entrepreneurs provides is that you're going to be training at altitude. So instead of working with that one or two or three clients, you're going to be working with 50. Yeah, I, I really like this idea. And I like it because I hated it so much when I was younger. But I didn't really see the value um, because nobody explained to me why, when I was younger why it, why it mattered. And the reason that it mattered is, it, is because I needed to become a master. And this is like the old apprenticeship model, right? Um, you become an apprentice and you work for somebody for several years and then you become the master. And I didn't really understand the time commitment that it took and, and the reasons for that. And the reason obviously is because if you're not a master, you can't set up shop next to the master. I can't be a blacksmith in the same town as a master if, if, if I don't know the trade as well as that other blacksmith because uh, nobody's going to buy from me. A lot of people don't know, Ian, that our business got started from an investment from my business mentor. And when I got that investment from him, I went from being vice president of a company making six figures, traveling around on the company dime, to being worried about pulling even the most basic salary from our own company and starting from scratch. So I took a huge step backward, but I was only able, I, was, I, I only had the, uh, sort of good fortune to take such a huge step backward because he was willing to invest and give me startup capital. And the only reason he was willing to do that is because I built up that huge asset of a relationship by working my tail off for years and years and years for him. Yeah, and you had also trained at altitude. That's exactly it. All right, so let's talk about the second pitfall that you wanna look out for as you're engineering your own success script. And this is the opposite end of that, which is that once you are that valuable, it's precisely the time when you feel the pressure to follow the ladder up the predictable path. So basically, as soon as you have the most control over your life, it'll be the moment when it's the hardest to exercise it. Are you redneck enough to know what a tractor pull is? Am I redneck enough? I think I've been <laughs> to a tractor pull before. Well, you know, you know, the farther along you get down the path, the further the weights get over the axles. So it's like the closer you are to the finish, the harder it is to keep going. And maybe we could illuminate this by talking about lawyers because lawyers is the classic example of uh, the golden handcuff scenario. You know, they give you these huge salaries, you've got a ton of student debt, and then of course you're working on the way to partnership, which is sort of a profit sharing model. And man, at that point you're making, you could make millions of dollars a year. So why are you going to get out of that? You know, why are you going to get out of that situation where you have to work, you know, so much? Well, we've been working with uh, a few lawyers actually in the past half a year that are actually trying to take the entrepreneurial route. And it's a, it's a very stark thing because being a lawyer is exactly what we're talking about. It's that rare and valuable skill set. Yeah, so you, essentially what happens, right, is you're on the same path with this person. So you've got two lawyers, they both go through school, um, they both get first jobs, and then one decides, hey, I'm gonna start my own firm. And then the one becomes partner, and then the other one peels off and eventually starts their own practice once they become a master, right? Um, but it takes a long time. So uh, that lawyer who peeled off 
uh, might be only making $100,000 or $50,000 a year for the next three years as they build up their business. Whereas the other person that was on the same exact path actually made it to partner and now they're making millions. But now they're in a position where they have golden handcuffs, right? Because uh, they're stuck in that partnership. Whereas uh, the other person has a lot of mobility. And I think in five or 10 years, we'll be making just as much. I mean, the lawyers that we're working with is they want things like autonomy, purpose, and they want to they sort of decide what their future looks like for themselves. Let's take the example of, of David from Greenback, because he's my favorite example of the guy who, you know, forsaken the golden handcuffs because he worked for Barclays, man. Like that's a, this huge bank in, in London, living the baller MBA lifestyle and decided, you know what? Now, I, I have this unique and rare skill set. I'm going to cash this check. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a huge step back and I'm going to start my own thing. And now look where Greenback Tax Services is at. I mean, they're crushing it. And it, was it a real risk? I mean, that's the question at the end of the day. Is it a risk to take a step back and to get yourself the values that you want, that creativity, that autonomy, that purpose? I mean, that's a check that I'm willing to write any day of the week. So let's sum up the success science. I'd like to, if I could leave anybody with lessons from this episode, it's that if you're in a position where you're waiting for that great idea or for that thing that really makes you passionate in life and you really want to, I don't think that that works nearly as well as saying, are you interested? Can you stick with it? And are there interesting options? If that's the case, go to the people that are the best and work for them, put your blood in the game and become that master. Build that skill set that's unique and valuable. Do great work. And then when you're starting to crush it, and when you're getting towards the end of that tractor pull, make sure that you don't get stuck by the golden handcuffs and make that sacrifice to stick with your true values and be brave enough to not be the partner in the big law firm in New York City, which probably isn't that bad, actually. Nah, probably not. All right. Let's get moving on to just the tips. <laughs> Ian, man, you made a purchase this week. You're not much of a consumer, but when you do, what do you got for us? Yeah, I don't uh, I don't like to buy a lot of things these days, but I did buy something the other day. So uh, I had some like Pioneer earbuds. I think uh, everybody's, you know, especially if you're a travel, you got to have at least one set of earbuds and then one set of good headphones. Um, and in my case, uh, or at least that's how I roll. I've got an over-the-head set of the Beats, which aren't very travel-friendly. And then now I've got this new set of earbuds. So I traded in my old Pioneers. They were super old. They didn't work anymore for a set of uh, New Force. So these are, I, I guess these are like no-name brands. I don't know. I read an article in Wired, I think, about them. And they were just raving about them. They just said, hey, these headphones are the best bang for your buck. So I decided to try them out. They're the New Force NE600M headphones. They are awesome. And they were only $35. I've tried the Bose in earbuds, uh, and they're not as good as the New Force. Use some of the money that you saved to get an Audible account. Uh, finally sprung on the Audible account because I wanted to listen to The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, which is the book that Simon Black, it's sort of a weird suggestion, like what's the number one book for entrepreneurship? He's like, read this giant book about Nazis. I was like, I'll take you up on that challenge, sir. And so I didn't want to read the whole book, so I got an Audible account, and I've been rocking out that. I mean, it's like, this book is like a movie in your eardrums, Ian. It's absolutely amazing, the stuff that went down. Um, and so I'm really enjoying that book. But also Audible, um, keep yourself edumacated, listening to books every single day. All right, let's play you guys out. 
with uh, some verse from the top of the show. This is Elevators. Reminds Ian and I of our days in the southeastern United States, sweating it out, trying to graduate college. It's Outcasts, it's ATLians, and this is the LBPians, and we'll see you guys next Thursday morning. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we in that spot, knowing that we can rock, doing the hole in the wall club. This shit here must stop, like freeze. By the way, I still have nightmares about not graduating college. Does that happen to you? No, sir. <laughs> Are you gonna say booyah? Is that part of the show still? <laughs>